be Adele for a second, didn't you? for Star Wars, okay? Why would I be? Why wouldn't you be, Sarah? They have great parodies like this, Hello from the Dark Side. Your boyfriend and I are going to see it at Aaron Space Museum. Dan is so excited about that, He better not bail on me. He won't. He, okay. Oh, do you know how... This morning, welcome, by the way, Hey Frage Podcast. I'm Sarah Frazier, along with Sammy Kay. Hello from the Dark Side. We're live at the DC Improv. Yet last night, my boyfriend Dan, mm -hmm. who I've been with for almost three years, it'll actually be three years in January. Wow. Dan. I know. We're getting to that point. You got to Dan, you're two years it. away from that five year surprise, and I'll tell you what that is because I remember. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Oh, I forgot the I anal fissure. Yes. Ooh. I can't do it. It's shut down. Ah, sorry, Dan. I was sorry. told I was given doctor's orders, nothing in the butt. <laughs> Doctor Thorne, did he actually say that? Yes, he did. He told so, me. He told me. He said specifically. Or did he say, please refrain from inserting any sort of foreign ever. objects no. in your rectum? He told me, I'm going to tell you this. With the, with the issues that you're having. He looked at my, you in the eyes and he goes, Sarah, yes. no butt stuff. <laughs> yes, he did. He, told he, me. he said he no told butt me. stuff verbatim. No he, butt stuff. No, he didn't quote butt stuff. He said, I just want to. Uh, he asked me about. You know, was I sexually active? What I was doing? And he said, "I know this can be uncomfortable, but I'm going to tell you this: Do not put anything in your butt. Th don't." So he actually said the word "butt." He didn't yes. use the word "rectum." No. What kind of doctor are you using? <laughs> Cheap was so far he hasn't billed me, so I don't know if he's legit or not. He wasn't in a van, so I thought that was a step up. Okay, you know what? You go for that. That's a thank you. I like this. Thank you. I know Glass what I'm doing. half full today on Thursday. Last night, my boyfriend Dan. So we were playing this. It's a parody called "Hello from the Dark Side." And last night, my boyfriend Dan was giving me the run, the, the basically the rundown or um, where the Star Wars series left off a mm -hmm. couple of years ago. This is several years ago because it ended with um, the la not the ones that George Lucas did in the early 2000s that really sucked. No, no, but. no. So you're talking about the final one would be this is now going to be the the sequel to Return of the Jedi. Exactly. Yes. So he was telling me about how the movie end at the end of Return of the Jedi with the Ewoks and everything. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so anyway, uh, he was just saying with the Ewoks. <laughs> oh my God, I'm sorry. That um, apparently they were trying to save some galaxy, and there was some question about like Luke was Luke now was he now going to be dark a, yeah side or whatever. So anyhow, all these questions are going to be answered. That's what he says. He's super excited about Star Wars, and for the past couple of days, I've been getting a pep talk, if you will, about you know all the star wars history that i need to know and i didn't realize this but apparently people don't actually like the ewoks like real star wars fans think that's the ewoks are like really lame well because yeah because they're just yeah they're meant for like kids yeah and apparently real star wars fans don't want the movies to be towards kids they want it to be actually they want it to be like adults. dark and like you know <laughs> twisted and some sort they want it to be like a soap opera 
Yeah, and I guess this shows you my taste in movies because the Ewoks episode was the best one. I thought. Well, the Ewoks are lame. Like, if what? you ever watch the movie, like they're cute and kids like them, but they're they're fucking lame. Like, why? Because they're, they're so Ewoks. Adorable. They are lame. They're not. That's not, the whole thing. Is they're supposed to be galactic defenders, Sarah? You're not trying to find the cutest thing to defend your galaxy. Well, I loved the Ewoks because remember they knew that forest like the back of their little hands and they got their little weapons out. I just thought they were adorable. See, I was more of a Chewbacca guy myself. Oh, Chewbacca. I, I, look, I don't know anything about it. I just feel like it's when a movie this big is out, if you're not in it, you feel like you're not a part of the in crowd. And I am a follower. Like, I am desperate to be you're not in the You're not in the in crowd, Sarah. You're on the outside. I know, and I hate that. Yeah. So I'm trying to embrace the Star Wars thing. I would say this is one of my insecurities. I always like to be in the know and the in crowd. And I feel like with all this fucking Star Wars chat, I'm so out of it. Well, like, what do you mean? Like, what else do you need to know? You know the stories, right? No, but I just feel like, you know, the, people watch the trailer and then they looked for clues. It was like kind of Batman versus Superman trailer as well. You know, all online for like three days, there it was trending, like all the little clues in the background and everything. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm not in the know. And I hate that. So anyway, I'm going to go see Star Wars Force Awakens. I can't right. wait. I love that scene where the guy's cloaked and he hits the uh, lightsaber and it's kind of like a jagged lightsaber, so maybe he's gone rogue. Oh, that's what you like? That part yeah. where he kind of maybe goes rogue yeah. on the jagged no, lightsaber? I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have a great, great podcast in store for you. Uh, we told you all week that we are going to be live today in Sterling, Virginia, and that is true from the Adams Center, the mosque out there. We are going to be talking to Charmaine, who is a woman who has been a member of the mosque there for many, many years, and she's also been a fan of us when we were on 107.3 and Sarah, Ty, and Mel. She's also connected us with Rizwan Jaka. You probably know know that name. He's mm -hmm. a representative there, the Adams Center. He's done many, many articles, uh, many outreach programs, too, in our area. So he is going to be telling us and just talking to us about the Muslim-American situation that is happening right now. Excellent. And Can't wait. I know. Me, too. I'm very excited. Sammy is, you are a Muslim, and I just always want to... Did you to... forget all the horrible Arabic words I taught you yesterday already? Yes. I'm, I'm not even... Re I'm not Good. Even, do oh not God, repeat Sammy, those. Please do not repeat those. Please oh do not repeat those. <laughs> uh... Oh, my God. The welcome was... Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. There you go. That's actually way better. Did you practice As that? Assalamu alaikum. I've been practicing that, haven't you? Rizwan, assalamu alaikum. Okay, you were better the first time. But you know <laughs> what? I liked it, though. Still good. Still good. <laughs> That's coming up on the show. Uh, we're going to get you a little bit of the stories that are trending, though, today, which is including 50% of women have not gone out to a party because of this. It has nothing to do with weight. You know I love to talk about mindful eating and living, but it has nothing to do with that. Mm. So I'm going to leave that. There's also a new app in D.C. that allows strangers to valet your car. Would you let somebody do that? Yes. You would? Yes. Really? Yeah, dude, parking in the city is insane sometimes, and especially if there's in a parking garage and you have to, dude, just to have someone privately valet. Because a lot of these times you find the only place that actually has a valet is this really nice restaurant, but you're going to the shitty bar next door. And you're just stuck now, and you can't get any parking. Strangers will valet your car Love with it. this app. Love I think it. that could be super amazing. And then, by the way, Sammy came up with this awesome idea. It is our first major Hay for Age promotion that's going to be happening in early 2016. We want to know your thoughts and if you'll be a part of it, because okay. we're already bouncing ideas off. So let's start the show. All right, let's start the show. Uh, 
Talk to Charmaine mm-hmm. and Rizwan. We're doing a Deep Thoughts for Men on Tinder. It's back. Back, baby. It's officially, officially. Oh, okay. Back. You can follow us on our social medias, beyond Snapchat. All the action is happening, and you never know when I'll get high for the first time. You can follow Hey Frage on Snapchat at the Sammy K. That's the same for our Instagrams and Twitter, by the way. Everything. H E Y F R A S E and the Sammy S A M Y. Okay. Uh, also, if you want to be a guest on this show, if you have an amazing topic, if you want to help, we need help marketing this, okay? We need to get to 25 million downloads ASAP. I like that. So if you want to help market, please email Sarah with an H and, at hayforage.com. And you're still promising to buy them a car if we get 25 million? Oh, absolutely. Right, we talked to BMW of Rockville yesterday, and they totally want to know when they can get on board and start advertising and everything. So I said, great. Awesome. Yeah, once we have that reach, you're in. Uh, so I was going to tell you about this. The Zerk. The Zerk app is the one that lets strangers valet your car. Zerk. Zerk. Z-I-R-X. Am I saying it right? Zerks? Zerks. Zerks. Okay. okay. That's probably correct. Okay. So Zerks is the new app, and it's going to let strangers do everything for you. Need parking, oil change, gas? Boom. Zerk is it for you. So you can now download this app. And then you can say, hey, you're going to be on K Street and 14th, and you're looking for someone to valet your car. Somebody in that area that's a registered member of Zerk, much like they'd be an Uber driver, will come park your car. And if you go, hey, by the way, can you, you know, get gas or whatever, boom, they'll do it for you. That's it's awesome. Like a $9 charge every time you use it. Okay, okay. So, and I, actually, it might be $9 a day. So, based on when you use it. So, like, you could go, if you go three days, you don't use it, you're not charged. Then, if you go, hey, I'm going to use it today, boom, $9. Uh, someone will park the garage, park the car in the garage, do anything you need as far as changing, um, you know, anything with your car, valet services. So Zerks says that they uh, are super convenient. That's their model. They want it to be very, very easy. And as D.C. seems to be getting worse and worse for people to park their cars and various garages, this could help save you a lot of time. I feel like you're forgetting the word. I think what they meant to say, it's very convenient for robbers. We want to make it really, really easy for people to steal your car. I feel like you just forgot those certain phrases in there because... I don't know. Like, I would just steal someone's car. Oh, really? Yeah. But they're going to vet them just like Uber would. It's the same way with Uber. They have a couple bad Sarah, eggs once in a while. I was What's vetted by Uber, and they accepted me to be an Uber <gasps> driver. Did? And I don't even have a car, and I haven't driven in this country in how many months? Ding! Another video. Yeah, well, no, no. You borrowing someone's car and us pretending to be Uber drivers. I'll be your, I'll also ride up front with you, and then I'll have, like, a snack cooler and offer people snacks that they'll have to additionally Wait, purchase. Have you, ever, have you ever seen, there's, like, this, there's, like, rogue Uber drivers in the city? What? So, like, they'll just come by, and they'll just pull up to you and be like, hey, what's up? Where are you going? You want to ride? And I'll be like, yeah, sure, let's do this. Because you can usually get it cheaper than, like, Uber or a taxi or something like that. But there's this couple. That would scare the shit There's out this of me. couple, like, these two ladies. I think they're a couple, at least. But they always drive together. And I get them consistently because they're always just lurking around my neighborhood. And I'll see them, and I'll just wave them down. And I'll be like, hey, what's up, ladies? But they're and not Uber drivers. No, I just literally give them $5 cash, and they drop me off wherever I want to. Oh, my God. But those are the best, man. That's terrifying. Yeah, so. Marijuana, marijuana. Marijuana, marijuana. Going back to yesterday again. <laughs> oh, my God, Sammy, we got so many tweets on that. And so <laughs> many. Marijuana, marijuana. Anyway, uh, Zerks is the app. 
If you want to be one of these valet drivers, they're also looking in the area. Uh, they're hoping that this is going to be valued at a $25 million business as it starts in cities across the country. That's cool, though. That's cool. $10 for all-day parking. You can get a, a $199 monthly. That's a, That seems so high. But if you're valet parking 20 bucks a pop everywhere you go, you're right. that's, that's 10 valets. That's what they say. And then on top of that, somebody could be going, getting your car cleaned, uh, put extra gas in it, which would be cool. If you're running low on gas, you're running to a meeting, you're crazy, someone comes, valets it. Goes and fills up. I mean, that would actually be worth it. Could you Talk somehow buy me some McDonald's is keeping the back seat for me when I arrive? Thank you. I think they will. Oh, that'd be awesome. Total, total, complete valet service. Sammy came up with this idea for our very first promotion of the year. A rock, scissors, paper, epic, galactic, trans... Transnational, <laughs> super intergalactic... Is that what we're going to call it? World we... competition of rock, scissors, paper... Please, please, please explain to me how you came to this and why you think we should do this. Okay, because everybody can play rock, paper, scissors, or rock, scissors, paper, however you call it, right? And I think that it is about time that we crown the best rock, scissors, paper player in the DMV and the entire galaxy. Are we sure this hasn't been done in the DMV before? Um, I think uh, they do have a rock, scissors, paper thing, but that's only in the world. That's why we're going to be the intergalactic DMV. competition, also featuring the DMV. Okay, wait. Intergalactic. Galactic. Intergalactic rock, scissors, paper championships. Rock, scissors. Or rock, paper, scissors, I believe. Rock, paper, scissors championships. So you think people will do this? Because we're going to host. Yes. I think, dude, if people could come by, and I'm talking about big screens cameras on the hand you have people it's the stress we're gonna have like professional referees come in sarah's gonna host it we're gonna have a mic come down from this from the ceiling for you just like a boxing match oh i love it in this corner you can't say get ready let's get ready to rock scissors paper <laughs> yes it's gonna be huge all right i want to know if people are down for this i think people Sammy would show up in enormous. droves to come and to see and to cheer on, you could probably compete. We're going to have qualifiers beforehand. And think about it. You could actually go and put on your Facebook wall, in your profile, your own profile, Sarah, Intergalactic Rock, Paper, Scissors Champion. That would be fucking of the awesome. DMV. That would be super, super amazing. awesome. No, I think it would be amazing too. So I want to know people. I think people would be interested in this. Why wouldn't you be? All right, I think you got to. I think we got to put this out on our Twitter and Facebook and see if people. And we're going to call it the. Should we have should we have listeners name it or should we keep it the intergalactic intergalactic rock paper, rock, paper scissors world championship world championships of the DMV world championships of the DMV of the DMV uh, we're thinking about doing this the final final grand prize and we will have prizes because yeah. we're gonna have Miller Lite if, or if you work for a company and you're listening and you want to sponsor this because yeah. it's amazing and you want to get on the ground level. Get on the ground level. We're going to do it the last weekend of February. And the qualifiers will probably be starting in late January, mm -hmm. working up to yep. this championship. And think about it. You could, Think about all the slaying you're going to do after you are declared the intergalactic, all right, world champion of rock, paper, scissors in the DMV. You're going to, dude, you're going to kill it. Your boss is going to give you a promotion. Your friends are going to be envious of you. You will become a local celebrity like that. I do think it would be enormous. Mm -hmm. I really, really do.
Literally, Obama's probably going to ask for your autograph. Oh, you think? Yeah, dude. You'll probably have Secret Service afterwards. That's how uh, big it's going to be, I, I feel. I love that. Uh, so if you want to do that, tweet at us. Let us know your interest at the Sammy K and at HeyFrage. Um, also, I wanted to talk about this. 50% of women have canceled a night out because they have nothing to wear. Do you believe that? Nothing to wear, nothing really? To it's wear. that stupid excuse. A new, it's like study, a new study reports that women actually have canceled plans because they have nothing to wear. That's like every shitty sitcom. Every <laughs> shitty sitcom, it just show, there's always that scene where the girl's in their closet. I have nothing to wear! And it just shows a closet full of clothes. They have everything to wear. Yeah, everything to wear. But why would you cancel plans? Like, I guess, who you... I mean, my thing is this. I always want to know... Who you're dressing who for Who are you women. dressing for? Okay, so you're dressing for other of women. Of course, So please. if your plans are with me, and yeah. we're going out to do something, you're coming to my place, or we're just going to go out and get a drink or something like that... What does it matter? I clearly don't care. I'm a guy. I don't even know when you get your hair cut. And that you literally cut off six inches of your hair, I will not notice. Oh, that is so I will not notice. But if you invite me to go out on 14th Street, we're going out for an awesome night of drinking and hanging out. I am going to be interacting with other women who have put a ton of effort into their outfit and maybe friends that I'm going to run into. And I, I have to have something on fleek. Really? I no, hope I you don't. never. I hope you don't actually look in the mirror and be like, I hope I'm on fleek right now. <laughs> I would, yes, uh, I would appreciate. I do. Why is there? What's wrong with that? Okay, no. Don't these eyebrows look on fleek? Those are some fleek ass eyebrows. <laughs> I, I don't put that much um, effort. I always, but this is why I have a personal closet shopper, which I know you're gonna think is excessive. But Rachel comes over and she puts together all my outfits and photographs them with clothes that I already have, so I am never without an outfit. But I guess I I'm just in the weird this. mood. Like I thought that you could just kind of look at clothes and be like, oh, well, they kind of match colors. Let's rock and roll. Let's do this. No, not for women. I gotta have like heels and what looks good. I want to look good when I'm hanging out with you. Oh, really? Well, that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it a shame? I love that you look at me like I've never looked good hanging out with you. Well, no, you do look great, but I just I didn't know it was that such a big deal. <laughs> Like, I didn't realize it was such a big deal and such, like, a, a, a tumultuous situation. For women, I think this is a huge deal. Sharon, have you ever canceled? Sharon's our intern, by the way. Sharon, Brendan, Yaya, we have three interns. Have you ever canceled a night out because you had nothing to wear? Uh, no. No. Good for you. Sharon also is, like, she always tries to be, like, the laid-back, kind of chill one. Like, she's the one that wanted, like, hiker's boots when we were talking about the boots yesterday. Oh, you did? She wanted, like, actual, like, you know, uh... Yeah, she wanted actual mountain climbing boots Sharon, as opposed you. to the fashion ones with everyone else was saying fashion. So that's just Sharon for you. Well, I think I have canceled the night out for numerous reasons, including nothing to wear or what I look like. So Can I tell know. you my original guess was going to be, what? which is probably inappropriate, but I thought it was going to be because they were hairy. <laughs> that's so good. Well, that used to be my go-to is I wouldn't shave my legs well, because I thought I... that'll prevent me from having sex with somebody. Yeah, that and people do that all the time. I used right. to actually go out with girls and they'd be like. Then you get drunk and then you're like, you come home and you're just like, oh, I'll be right back after you know you're like making out with them. Then you go and you just quickly do like a wet shave. Oh, and really? Then you still have sex, yeah. Oh no, see, I usually just hook up with them and then the next morning I'm scratching my leg and she goes, why are you touching me? I go, I could have <laughs> swore by the hair that was my leg. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Look, we want to do a deep thoughts from the men on Tinder. It is back. It's totally back. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Oh, I love this, actually. You like this for your men Tinder music? You think it's good, or you think we need it almost more over the top and comical? I like oh, I... it. I think it's a good start. All right. Well, look, for now, just keep it. <laughs> for now, just keep it. Hey, look, we're bringing back deep thoughts from the men on Tinder and the Tinderellas. 
Tinder just gets better and better, Sammy. Have you been on lately? Uh, yeah, man. But here's the thing. I keep on swiping right, but I'm not getting any matches. And I think it may be my profile. Oh, I can't imagine why. What do you say on it? My profile says, you know what the difference between a cheeseburger and a boner is? What? You're not giving me a cheeseburger right now. <laughs> this could be why. That could be why. That is what oh, my profile says. I update mine, too, because I think mine still says the host is Sarah Ty and Mel. Ah. <laughs> Now it's got to say ex-host. Now the host of Hey Fresh Podcast featuring Sammy K. And not contributor a to Fox 5 WTTG. <laughs> Isn't that what your email says now? Yeah, you think I should lose the TTG? No, it's cool. I like it. You do not. You're making fun of me. I'm not. Okay, yes, I am. <laughs> it's cool. All right, fine. I'll just say what? Fox 5 DC? Does that sound better than WTTG? I would 5. just say like ass smasher on Fox 5. <laughs> I gotta be, ta- Sammy. We have to be taken somewhat seriously. Why? Look, if, if I knew someone was smashing ass at a news station, I'd be like, "Wow, they must be doing everything there." <laughs> they work all day parts. So look, deep thoughts from the men on Tinder is back. If you have an awesome profile, tweet it at us at HeyFresh, H E Y F R A S E, or at the Sammy K S A M Y K. And if you see me on Tinder, feel free to swipe right. I feel lonely and left out. Oh. Well, maybe you're not as lonely as Gary, 39, who is eight miles away from Arlington. I'm Gary, and you might as well take away the R. All the girls I've dated. I've been told they have a face only a mother could love, but that shouldn't matter if you're sitting on it. I'm six <laughs> feet tall. <laughs> this so is Gary. Gary. But he wants to be called gay, right? Oh, but no, but Gary, though. What? I like Gary. You like Gary? I like Gary. <laughs> Clearly, so I, Gary so still lives at home with his mom in the basement. So he wants you to call him gay and sit on his face? I'm I mean, so confused. I mean, yeah, just remove the R and uh, sit on my face. The orange love it. All right, thanks, Gary. Billy, 24, he was 11 miles away from Arlington. Is your name Summer? Because you're hot. Son, about the same level as you. Oh, uh, what? No, mine was so much better. Do not put me in the same grouping as, what's that guy's name? <laughs> Billy. Billy? No. Okay, I'm way, mine was way funnier than Billy's. Do you rank higher than Billy? Yes. Tweet at Sammy. Do you think he ranks higher than Billy? At Sammy K. Yes, I do. Lee44, who is one mile away. Here's what his profile says. Arlington, 511. Bob has no arms. Knock, knock. Who is it? It isn't Bob. That's actually good too. <laughs> I like that one. I'm so, sorry. I'm sorry. I would so date. Stupid. I would date him. And you know me and tall guys. I uh... so dumb. Uh, okay, this was from our Twitter friend at Stormy Weather. Okay? okay, so Stormy Weather sent us this. It's David34. David is wearing a T-shirt that says, "This is why I broke up with you." Hideous, too picky. Dick is too big. Might kill someone. That has the check mark on it. Okay? <laughs> Here's his profile. What's up? Why do only matches keep on requesting roses to meet? I add in bed to the end of every sentence. Anybody want to play Fifty Shades of Grey? Just a simple guy who isn't asking too much. Just big boobs. Mm, there he is. There's that's David. a winner right there. How about Tyler, 36? He was 47 miles away from Arlington when I was swiping. I just want to hit and run like I ain't got insurance. <laughs> That's good. That's actually good, too, Sarah. I don't know how you can hate on that one. Uh, Zach, 32. I thought we'd even leave with Zach. Zach, 32. Girl, you're like a degree from University of Phoenix. I'm pursuing you online from my couch. (laughs) (laughs) 
So there are some of your deep thoughts from the men on Tinder. If you have an amazing profile, like I said, you can tweet at HeyFrage, at Sammy K. We'll give you credit. We'll give you mad love for it. And uh, people are tweeting them already, so feel free to send it. And every week we're going to kind of mix in some some of the segments we did on Sarah Ty and Mel. And so if you are new to the podcast and maybe you didn't listen to the morning show, we did this feature that we came up with, which was reading all the hysterical Tinder profiles Mm -hmm. that you find. So tweet at us, and you can always catch more deep thoughts from the men on Tinder on our podcasts. Catch us on iTunes. So as promised, uh, we've been talking about it all week, and I'm very excited about this, Sammy. We are here at the Adams Center out in Sterling, Virginia. We are sitting down today with several members, including the imam, but Rizwan Jaka is here right now, who's the chair and board of trustees of Adams Center. Thank you so much for having us. Sarah, thank you so much. Peace be with you, and uh, we look forward to the discussion Uh, today. Peace be with you. I can't even tell you how excited I am to ask you, because I think um, I'm just going to be very honest. I know nothing about the Muslim religion or really about what Muslim American life is, and I feel awful even saying that, but I think what I really wanted today was to come from a point of view, because I think I represent a population of Americans who don't know a lot about your faith and I think have a lot of misconceptions through the media. So today I just want to talk about all that. What's going on? You know, the climate here is so tough after San Bernardino, the the whole thing that happened there um, and that being connected with ISIS. So the past week I'm sure has been very difficult for you guys as a faith with Donald Trump coming out and wanting to ban all Muslims. So um, today I just want to talk a little bit about the Adam Center, the mosque here, and a little bit about what the Muslim faith is all about, and especially here in America. Great. No, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You know, first and foremost, our thoughts and prayers are with the victims of the horrific attack in San Bernardino, the horrific attack in Paris, as well as the horrific attacks in Colorado and other uh, you know, terrorist incidences, as well as uh, mass shootings and mass casualty attacks around the country. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the American Muslim community absolutely condemns and rejects violent extremism and terrorism. The actual uh, main religious body for the Muslim community called the Fiqh Council of North America, mm-hmm. the Religious Ruling Council, issued a religious ruling in 2005 to reaffirm the Islamic condemnation uh, of terrorism and violent extremism from the actual religious text perspective. And so just want to reaffirm that uh, you know, for our fellow Americans and our fellow citizens in the world. Uh, and again, we thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Well, I guess one of my questions is, questions is immediately is, what are the differences between what ISIS believes and what they're preaching and spreading and what Muslims believe? Yeah, so uh, ISIS uh, represents a cult. Uh, it is in a, a twisted ideology that is, uh, you know, actually twisting in political aspirations uh, as well as, uh, you know, uh, twisting uh, the faith from a violent extremist perspective. None of what ISIS is doing is allowed in Islam. It is absolutely Mm. contrary to Islam. Uh, I think over 138 Muslim scholars from around the world, they wrote a letter, uh, open letter to uh, uh, Baghdadi and ISIS to say that what you are doing is absolutely un-Islamic, point by point by point. Uh, line by line by line to very clearly talk about that beheadings are wrong, that you know killing innocent people are wrong, that subjugating women in the way that they're doing is wrong. And so they've gone point by point by point. Islam itself stands for religious freedom. 
Islam stands for women's rights. Islam was the first faith tradition to uh, provide inheritance uh, uh, you know, laws to support uh, women, women's right to ownership, women's right uh, to partnership so uh, in the family. And so that is something that, uh, you know, women are actually encouraged to keep their own last name. Uh, my wife is, uh, did not take my last name because the woman does not take the identity of the husband. She keeps her familial identity. Uh, now, culturally, because uh, actually mostly because of, I think, Western culture, that the woman adopts the last name of the husband. Yeah. And that's what permeated through colonialism. But uh, Islam actually encourages the woman to keep her own identity. And that is something that is, uh, you know, uh, should that's be reaffirmed so and yeah. is not well known. But I was going to say, why isn't that more promoted? Uh, you don't just, hear that. Uh, people don't ask the question, or uh, but we do. We do talk about it. I mean, it's something that uh, you know the. And I know you will talk more about uh, women in Islam from our our sisters that we'll be discussing in uh, later today. But you know, uh, uh, in the Amer uh, if you think about it globally, mm -hmm. four Muslim majority countries, the largest ones, have had women prime ministers: Pakistan, Indonesia, Bangladesh, and Turkey. Now, if you think about that, we're still waiting here in the United States for a, uh, a woman president. president. Again, yeah. we don't endorse any candidates or any <laughs> yeah. political parties, but sure. the point is that even in the Muslim-majority countries, albeit I know, you know Muslim-majority countries have dysfunctions, and mm -hmm. there are still many issues with grassroots women's rights, but uh, you know, politically, women have taken leadership mantles, and that is something that is very important to note. Historically, as well, the, the position of women, you know, uh, uh, has been lifted up, uh, uh, and that's something that, uh, from the Islamic perspective, and actually, you know, uh, people ask about, um, you know, women, uh, you know, the scarf, some the hijab, some, the right? hijab. Okay. Uh, now, uh, and, you know, uh, basically. The one thing, my, my kids did a, a scouting presentation uh, to a scout uh, troop in Den about Islam, and they, had, they made a PowerPoint presentation. They showed a woman with a hijab, and uh, then they put right next to that a nun, a Catholic nun, wearing the habit. Yes. Uh, they put, now if you look at uh, what is the, you know, you know the Virgin Mary? Yes. What does she wear all the time? She always has a habit on. Yeah, she always yeah. has, yeah. Virgin Mary. So a lot of people think the scarf, the hijab is foreign, but it's actually something rooted in Christianity it, it and is Judaism. Rooted. Okay, so here's my question, and this is a very big generalization, so feel free to yeah. say whatever you want. But here's the thing I think that is kind of foreign or maybe scary to some Americans. A lot of Christians and Catholics have given that up see it as old world so and I think what's interesting about the Muslim faith is how many women wear the hijab like how it seems as though Muslims are more maybe devout than a lot of other religions am I generalizing or so I think uh, you know first you know obviously uh, the love of God and devotion uh, should not be judged by external uh, you know manifestations uh, that is something that's in the heart and the sincerity and the love and the commitment that people have and what they do uh, in their manners and helping others in need. Uh, the, the scarf is a manifestation of sincerity and devotion, uh, but it is not the only one. Uh, there are Muslim women that wear the scarf. There mm -hmm. are Muslim women that do not wear the scarf. Uh, uh, no one should judge their faithfulness uh, you know, based off of that. It's each person's right and decision and uh, uh, what they choose to manifest their faith in. And, uh, you know, those that wear the scarf are very courageous. 
uh, those that do not, they're also courageous in their own way. And uh, we should uh, respect their uh, religious freedom and their rights uh, in that manner. Um, but it is a sign of modesty. Mm. It is a sign of uh, respect. Uh, it is a si also a sign of that the inner values are more important than the external uh, manifestations. That it's the, the, the inner beauty that is the most important and uh, the character that is uh, clear. And so I think that's what truly, at least to me, uh, you know, as a, as a husband uh, of a wonderful uh, woman, uh, an amazing leader, uh, her name is Priscilla Martinez, and uh, I have two wonderful daughters uh, that are amazing leaders in growing up, uh, you know, uh, in, in the community. And, uh, you know, that's what they represent to me as, as leaders, as, you know, their inner characteristics, their, their leadership abilities is what is the most important thing. And going to the hijab thing, I think I actually we spoke about this yesterday, but how my mother did not even put on a hijab until I was probably 14 years old. And so she was college educated, you know, went to the Sorbonne, came to America. She had her family, had her career. And then, you know, just halfway through, she decided, you know what, I want to make this change. And it wasn't any sort of, no one above her. She had no, you know, no suppression. No one was demanding her put on this hijab. She'd already become a success and done everything she wanted to. She goes, well... I think I'm ready to make a change in my life and I want to wear the hijab. So it wasn't like it was forced on her in any way, which a lot of people kind of, I feel like a lot of Americans assume that it's yeah. being forced on them in some sort of Definitely. way. Definitely. I would assume that. Yeah. And yeah, there, uh, in Islam, there's a verse in the Quran that says, there is no compulsion in faith. We can, no one can be forced into f any faith no one can be forced to become Muslim and also adhering to specific aspects of the faith that it's between them and God. Unfortunately, you know, around the world in you know, uh, certain countries you see this you know, kind of uh, forcing of the faith or you see mm. tribal, right. uh, you see tribal uh, or cultural baggage mm -hmm. that uh, creates that uh, environment, but it is not the Islamic environment. Uh, the true Islamic environment is religious freedom. And actually, from the Islamic texts and sources, and uh, uh, that a uh, uh, let's say a Muslim man marries a uh, let's say Christian or Jewish woman, uh, he is not allowed to force her to become Muslim. Mm -hmm. And actually, he is supposed to make sure she is able to go to her church or to her synagogue. And so uh, that is absolutely, so in the husband and wife relationship, he's not allowed to force the faith and he is mandated to make sure she's accommodated to make sure that she's able to worship the way she wants to. And so that in itself, you know, says a lot. And from the larger perspective, shows that we are not allowed to uh, impose our faith on anyone. Mm. And also, I asked another question that we were talking with Sarah about, which I thought was very interesting. But how do you feel, me being a Muslim myself, uh, my family from Tunisia, I find that a lot of times when I do tell people, like when I was telling people, like, oh, yeah, well, I'm Muslim, they'll find any sort of, like, well, you're not really Muslim because, you know, you did this, Sammy, or you did have a girlfriend, one time, or you did do this, you're a little bit more progressive, and you're not really, you know, you don't have this crazy beard. And I go, why do you feel like a lot of times you have to be, I guess the main question is, Americans are really expecting you to be so on the right when you just can't be a middle of, you know, just a middle Muslim. But yet, you know, Sarah can say that she goes to church once a year, but she's still a great Christian in their eyes. You know, so why do you feel like for Muslims, it feels like we have a lot more kind yeah. of like more obstacles to go through to be considered to be a Muslim in the eyes of Americans? 
Yeah, you know, I think part of it is the perception in the media, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, I, so I think that's probably and probably movies and TV and so forth that play into that uh, perception of what a Muslim is. Muslims are absolutely not monolithic. Muslims are so diverse, probably more diverse than any other religious group in the world. Uh, and if you look at different countries, like if you look at Indonesia. Okay. And if you look at Turkey, they are actually examples of you know productive, more modern uh, Muslim majority countries. Indonesia is the largest Muslim majority country in the world. If you look at India, which actually has you know uh, I think 200 million Muslims, mm -hmm. uh, it is actually supposed to become uh, you know it's one billion people, you know uh, 800 million Hindus, 200 million Muslims, or 200 some odd million Muslims. I uh, India is about to become the largest. Muslim uh, country with a minority Muslim population. And India has a very diverse Muslim population. The actual uh, top actors in Bollywood, if you know sure. what, uh, India's uh, Hollywood, yep. uh, India makes more movies than Hollywood. And the top three actors are all Muslim. Shahrukh Khan, uh, 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 Amir Khan, and Salman Khan. These guys are the George Clooney's, uh, the oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah. of the India, and, of India. Okay. and they they have more viewership than any American actor, and they are amazingly popular around the world. And they're Muslim. They're uh, Muslims are in uh, are artists. Muslims are singers. Muslims are uh, doctors, lawyers, engineers, and uh, you know, uh, but you know, artists and 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 uh, you know, like here in the U.S., there's a burgeoning uh, you know industry of American Muslim uh, you know uh, singers there is a American Muslim country singer he was born in Oklahoma uh, raised in Texas he's got the draw says y'all and everything uh, his name is Kareem Salama he, sp he sings in English he sings in Arabic uh, his first album was generous peace uh, and which is Kareem Salama, yeah. and so uh, you know, uh, so go to KareemSalama.com again, not to endorse any artist or anything, but he is an amazing singer. Uh, with uh, you know, we, uh, there's hip hop groups. We have uh, in our Adams community uh, a Native Dean. They are a, a hip hop group. They sing, uh, you know, uh, songs in English mm -hmm. uh, that uh, intertwine with Arabic and uh, religious values, basic principles, common humanity, and they, I mean, uh, amazing group. They've sang with uh, Cat Stevens or yes, Yusuf sure. Islam. Oh They've toured yeah. the world, uh, you know, and singing with him. And so there's uh, an amazing plethora of artists out there. There's uh, every year at the uh, the Muslim Convention, the Islamic Society of North America, we have a uh, uh, an art expo, a Meet the author, a film festival. You know, Muslims are in Hollywood now. You'll find uh, yeah. artists. You know, uh, you know, there are many rap artists in mainstream uh, music that are that are Muslim. You find people in Hollywood now uh, that are there that are Muslims in comedy and so forth. So there is no monolithic, uh, you know, standard for Muslims. Muslims are as diverse and more diverse uh, in opinion, in uh, demographic, in in uh, in their jobs and in their lives. So. Adding to what Sammy said, for example, I'm a Catholic. I probably go, I don't know, you know, maybe to church 12 times a year, okay? So do you have a very, um, is, does that exist a lot in the Muslim community? Do you have sort of a lot of Muslims that pick and choose and maybe come They just... call them CEOs in Christianity, Christmas, Easter, and other. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Christi yeah you yeah, have CEOs. a lot of that. Because <laughs> I feel like the... I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of CEOs. I very feel like nice. the perception is that 
the Muslim community is either all in or all out. Like, so there are a lot of moderates that just maybe pick and choose. So, uh, again, you know, I think one thing is that going to a house of worship, again, should not be the judging factor of people's faithfulness mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. them and God. Okay. Uh, now, it's encouraged to come together in congregation. That congregation could be at a mosque. It could be in your home. When I'm at home, my six kids, four boys, two girls, my wife and I, we pray together. And the mm -hmm. kids take turns leading the prayers. And so, uh, you know, so congregational prayer is very encouraged. Coming to a mosque, there is uh, more, you know, uh, benefits to the congregational prayer. It's encouraged. We have uh, the daily prayer Muslims. We've got the Friday Muslims. And we've got the holiday Muslims, the Eid Muslims. And so there is a certain demographic that will just come out for the holiday prayers. Sure. And there will be a certain demographic that just come for the Friday prayers. And so definitely that exists. And then there are people that are unmasked. They don't come to the mosque. They're, they are faithful or they keep their faith private. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, again, between them and God. But, yes, there are uh, there's many that don't come to a mosque. And, again, we invite them to the Adam Center. Uh, we have so many activities uh, that because yes. we believe faith is not, uh, you know, it's about the uh, full spectrum of life. It's about having fun. We have basketball. We've got badminton sports activities that happen here that uh, people can come to. We've got 400 Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Uh, we've got 10 Eagle Scouts. And so you can come here, you know, for so many activities. We've got, you know, uh, you know computer classes. We've got, uh, and it's for everyone. We've got, um, you know, different activities for, we've got cooking classes. We have so many activities from a social perspective. We host festivals every year. Uh, our women's auxiliary group, they host a festival twice a year, the fall festival and the spring festival. The whole community comes out for that. Food and clothing and, you know, uh, you know different fun activities, face painting, whatever it is, you know, people are coming out to have fun. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, we, you know, so we do interfaith activities. Uh, we actually are probably uh, the leading mosque in interfaith activities doing hundreds. We sponsor or host interfaith activities here every year. We host a Jewish Passover Seder every year. It's That's an interfaith amazing. Seder. I uh, no idea. We, we talk about freedom. We talk about justice uh, and, uh, and harmony. We talk about the story of Moses, which is common between Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. We have had rabbis. We've had priests from the Catholic community. We've had pastors from the evangelical Christian community come here, speak here, meet here. Uh, uh, every single, we've had Hindu, Sikh, Buddhist, Zoroastrian, Baha'i, Jewish, Christian, every single faith leader, faith community has come here, has partnered with us for not just 14 years, but for multiple decades. And this is something that is a hallmark. We believe this is what truly the community is about. And the good news is around the country, mm -hmm. in every major metropolitan area, there is this similar type of interfaith work happening all around the country. This is the good news that cool. is not told as much, and it is happening I, I, I interact with many of uh, friends, colleagues in, around the country, and they tell me about the work they're doing with their interfaith colleagues. And it is wonderful, and we need to see more of it, and we will hopefully see more of it. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, was you guys here and in the D.C. metropolitan area, it's such a great community for Muslim Americans. But is that typical of, let's say, if you're in New Hampshire or if you're in, you know, Iowa? So you're saying, but a lot of mosques are doing that. They're embracing doing a lot of interfaith work. 
work. Exactly. A lot of mosques, even pre uh, the horrific attacks of 9-11, prior to that, many mosques were doing interfaith work, uh, you know, in their local area. Obviously, uh, in the past decade, there's been an immense amount of interfaith work for people to get to know one another, clergy, mm. leadership, to know the other and work together on the common good. There's, uh, you know, interfaith coalitions to uh, counter uh, poverty, interfaith coalitions to uh, work on uh, uh, responding to climate change, interfaith coalitions, you know, for almost every single aspect, healthcare, and uh, people are working together. You know, uh, uh, there are over 100 free clinics uh, operated by the Muslim community to help people of all faiths and backgrounds. The first Muslim clinic started in California, in Los Angeles, in the 1990s. And now, fast forward to 2015, 100 Muslim clinics helping people of all faiths and backgrounds. And God willing, there will be so many more. And uh, you know, so and there are so many coalitions happening around the country. Uh, that's just natural part of it. Although, yeah, there are challenges. There are places that maybe there are, uh, you know, uh, nascent Muslim communities that, you know, people are trying to still understand. Like if you look at Murfreesboro, Tennessee, there was a whole, you know, issue with uh, oh, mosques trying to be built there. And uh, oh, a lot of fear and uncertainty and doubt. Well, uh, we even had the same thing just happen. What was that in Spotsylvania just like three weeks ago? Uh, Fredericksburg, 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 yeah, Virginia, right there yeah. where some uh, where a gentleman had stood up and just completely was like, I don't want Muslims here. I don't think they belong here. I'm not the only person who wants like. And it was crazy, and that happened just what, maybe two hours outside of Washington D.C. Yep, and no. actually, uh, so actually, uh, several of us from Adams and other mosques uh, in Northern Virginia, we visited the Fredericksburg Mosque and uh, talked with them. And you know, uh, this was a very unfortunate incident that occurred. Uh, it definitely shook the community, but mm. the response is what is beautiful. The Jewish community, the Christian community, they responded in droves. Messages were received from around the country, from people of other faiths, Christian and Jewish people, emailed the mosque and said, we support you. We support your religious freedom. We reject any hatred towards you. That is the true American spirit that came out of this very horrific uh, you know, uh, you know, incident that occurred that was contrary to American values, mm -hmm. that absolutely now the uh, overwhelming majority of Americans stand for religious freedom and do not want to be associated uh, with this. I, I call it fear and uncertainty. Yeah. You know uh, that that is created by the horrific terrorist attacks, and it's also uh, uh, enhanced through you know uh, some of the presidential candidates that are out there. Unfortunately, it's also yeah, propagated it's through you know uh, some fringe people that are trying to create this fear, uncertainty, and doubt around mm -hmm. the country. Uh, and, you know, through myths and conspiracy theories, you know, it's just, it's yeah. unfortunate, but, uh, you know, the seven million American Muslims are the most productive, uh, among the most highly educated uh, demographics in the country, and among the most peaceful, and the least amount of criminality demographically comes out of the American Muslim community. And that is something That's that amazing. people should truly understand. That. Well, are you exhausted, by the way, of just really, I mean, because, oh my gosh, you were telling us you've been to NPR, you, I see you've had articles in the Washington Post, you've been everywhere. Is it exhausting just going and putting out these fires and trying to stop the misconceptions? Uh, you know, it is, uh, it is a challenge. Uh, uh, God tells us in the Holy Quran, our Holy Book, that with every difficulty, there's indeed relief, yeah. and that God will not test us more than we can bear. So this is our test. 
What we are going through is nothing in comparison to what African Americans, enslaved Africans, yeah. African Americans, uh, you know, uh, during segregation, what Japanese Americans, what even Jewish Americans, Catholic Americans. We're going through a challenging time, uh, but uh, you know, we shall overcome, uh, and we will work together with our brothers and sisters in the uh, Jewish, Christian, and Sikh, and other faith communities to overcome this. This is our challenge to, and and you know, it is something that we are. We're ready to answer the questions. The Muslim mm. community is ready to answer the questions to make it very clear. We condemn terrorism, that we work for national security. We want people to understand that we are the first line of defense. We have been working with uh, the FBI and Department of Homeland Security for over 14 years now. I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, and I, to continue with that Post article that I read um, that had you quoted many times earlier this summer, you know, it was saying that you have dealt with some radical members or people that have wanted to turn to ISIS. How do you recognize somebody in your community who might be becoming an extremist? So first and foremost, we have to, again, contextualize 99.999% of our Muslim community, of the 7 million American Muslims, adults and youth, are uh, very productive, peaceful, and reject violent extremism. Uh, out of, uh, there's a tiny fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, uh, you know, a few hundred uh, that are uh, uh, people, youth, that are uh, potentially susceptible uh, to a radical message for many reasons, for uh, purposes of depression, purposes of mental health issues, marginalization, family issues, the same issues that lead, uh, you know, a school shooter, you know, sure. non-Muslim person to do a school shooting. And just statistically to understand, in a 18-month period, 78 school shootings done by non-Muslims. Um, in this, uh, you know, uh, in a, I think, past decade or so, uh, Charles Kurzman, uh, I think a professor at University of North Carolina, if I'm not wrong, uh, 190,000 murders committed overwhelmingly by non-Muslims. And so uh, the proportion of potential criminals or terrorists from the Muslim community is so tiny, it's right. of less proportion than the general population. And uh, the other statistic, just for background, uh, through various da uh, FBI database, uh, uh, certain 94% of terrorism is done by right-wing groups or left-wing extremist groups, 6% uh, by Muslims. In Europe, 98% uh, of terrorism is done by non-Muslims, 2% by people claiming to be Muslim. So we have to contextualize and understand. Obviously, one person that does terrorism is one too many, and the other aspect is that uh, we have to uh, stop radicalization. Now, these few hundred that are susceptible to it, uh, uh, we have to be able to uh, intervene in, mm. and, and try to get them off of that path. Uh, we have actually, uh, our mosque, our imam, Muhammad Majid, uh, is well known in counseling general populations as well as counseling a few people that have needed help. Their parents are the first line of defense. The parents have come and said, look, we see some signs that we need some help sure. in de-radicalizing these youth. And our imam has sat with them to uh, try to theologically deconstruct anything that they've seen on the internet. The radicalization process is happening on the internet. In the US, over 95% of it is happening on the internet. The mosques are actually preventing radicalization. The mosques create immunity to that. Actually, what ISIS recruiters are saying, they're saying, look, you young person, stay away from your parents. 
stay away from the mosque because your mosque is a sellout. And so that's what they say. Wow. It keeps them away. And so the parents have to be vigilant to know what their kids are doing mm -hmm. on the internet. They should be watching what their kids are doing. They should be engaged in, in friendship with their children mm -hmm. and with their youth because that will help prevent that. When the parents see the signs, they should come to their clergy, to their imam, and to their uh, scholars, and to their mosque for help in intervening. If, if parents see something that is going into a violent tendency, or the parents uh, the, see that their kids want to find their passport, or they want to go overseas, immediately get help if they, uh, you know, uh, from the mosque. If they see any criminality, it is the parents' responsibility to go to law enforcement. God tells us in the Quran that we are upholders of justice, even if it is against ourselves. We must stand mm -hmm. up for justice. So we must stand up for justice. Over 40% of the arrests of attempted terrorism are because of tips from the Muslim community. The Muslim community wow. are clear partners in uh, you know, national security. And uh, we work with the FBI. We're on advisory committees with the FBI headquarters, with the regional Washington field office, with the Department of Homeland Security on counter-violent extremism. We have uh, helped create strategies uh, in law enforcement, uh, and we have to separate things. Law enforcement has to go after criminality. We as faith communities go and respond and challenge ideology. Mm -hmm. And we have to encourage the parents to uh, be vigilant We've done internet safety seminars here. We've created Muslim uh, counter-radicalization think tanks uh, to uh, you know, have people go on the internet to monitor traffic, to help uh, you know, uh, counter-radicalization on the internet. We need more help from mainstream society as sure. well in that effort. Wow, Rizwan, thank you so much. Thank you again Great. for welcoming us to the Adams Center and just really enlightening me, especially Sammy being Muslim, knew a lot of this. So. <laughs> but I just think, you know, Americans really need to see everything that you're doing. So hopefully we can help spread that. Great, no, no, thank you very much. And I'll, I'll just close with this just to, you know, let people know just what Adams is. You know, uh, you know uh, all, it's the all Dulles Area Muslim Society. Uh, and it is now the second largest mosque in the United States of America. We have 10 branches wow. and satellites in Northern Virginia uh, and even a satellite in Washington, D.C. Wow. And uh, it is something that, uh, you know, our Friday prayers attract about 9,000 people. Our holiday prayers, about 25,000 people. Wow. Uh, we have 6,000 families in our database. And uh, we uh, also, you may not know this, two of our branches and satellites are co-hosted with synagogues. So we have a full-time mosque that is a subsection of a Jewish synagogue. And we have a wonderful, loving relationship with the synagogue and partnership. And we have a Friday prayers and Ramadan prayers in another synagogue. So not one synagogue, but two synagogues that we have. And we have a wonderful, loving relationship with these synagogues that started in the 90s. We also have a Friday prayer services that is in a church. Uh, in Washington, D.C. And uh, we've had that services at a church actually starting in the 90s as well. And it is a testimony to the love and the fellowship that is existing here in Northern Virginia, in Washington, D.C. And it is a testament that we actually have told these stories to the world. We get a lot of international media and they come yeah. here all the time, international visitors. We want the world to know the best of America, that America is loving, that America is beautiful, and you know that we, we, uh, you know, we care for our country and that we are a part of this country. This country, people may not know, that 30% of enslaved Africans that were brought here, mm. that helped build this country with their blood, sweat, and tears, 30% 
were Muslim. They wow. lost their faith through the horrific acts of slavery. But now, out of the 7 million American Muslims, that's amazing. 20 to 30% are African American, descendants of enslaved Africans. The American Muslim community has been a part of the fabric of this nation before it was founded, during its founding, today, tomorrow, and we are a part and parcel of the future of America, and we will contribute, and you know, we love our country, and uh, we are here to support our country and defend our country. Peace be with you. Peace be Thank with you. you. So Thank much. you so much. You. That was great. Oh my gosh. So informative. Um, Shermin, you are amazing because you're the one that actually made this all happen. Thank you. How, by the way, did you have been listening to Sammy and me since our Hot 99.5 days? Is that Yes. It? I am such a huge fan. I was definitely texting and emailing and calling so many of my friends, letting them know <laughs> I will actually get to meet Sarah and Sammy today. Um, and even here, I mean, we saw that you had so many fans. I, I think a, a woman came up and was like, my husband is the biggest fan ever, and she wanted a selfie with you, and I already took one, so. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to do like a Muslim radio show after this, like a Muslim Catholic uh, radio show. What do you think? Of it's course. kind of what we're already doing now, Sarah, if you think <laughs> oh, about it. Yeah, you you're forget. Right. Oh yeah. yeah, Sammy is a Muslim. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to describe though too for a lot of people listening where the Adams Center is. You're, yes. you're here in Sterling, you're mm -hmm. off of Wheelie Avenue and you're in a residential neighborhood. So you're surrounded all by houses, condos and then there's this great center here in Sterling um, and you were just kind enough to help make the connections. Sammy and I are super excited to talk to you because you are a millennial Muslim American. Yes. Super informed and you're a woman. And I think as a woman, I have so many questions because there's so many things, uh, you know, within the Catholic Church that I find are tough for women. So tell us about being a millennial Muslim. Being a millennial Muslim, um, American actually, has yes. been, I think, an extraordinary opportunity. I think you want to have it just get sure. close to that mic. There you go. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, like, I feel like I'm getting the best of both worlds. Um, I think, you know, living in the United States, being raised here, I have gotten such a huge diversity of perspectives. I have been so thankful and grateful that I was born and raised here. Um, I think the amount of opportunities that I have gotten um, as, you know, a, you know, as a second generation immigrant have been extraordinary. I think as a Muslim, I'm incredibly grateful by the tenets of our faith that have basically set up women to be not only, you know, individuals that um, should be judged on, I guess, their faith, but should be pillars of society. Um, in Islam, you know, what was really interesting is that the first convert to Islam is actually, was actually a woman. So the wife of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu so peace be upon him. She was also really extraordinary because she was an older woman. She was 40 years old, a widow, when she asked the prophet to marry her. So I think that's like absolutely yeah, extraordinary that's brave. To, be, yeah. to be part of a faith that, you know, upholds women in such an extraordinary way. Okay, so why is there such a, you know, and certainly in other countries other than the U.S., there are restrictions on women. There, women can't drive. But why do you think here there's still like this whole idea that women are so repressed under Islam? 
You know, that's really unfortunate. And I think it, it takes, you know, I'd say opportunities like this to kind of spread the word and spread the message, not only to non-Muslims, but Muslims as well, to say that this is not part of our faith. Repressing women is completely un-Islamic. Women, um, you know, I think Islam was one of the first faiths to actually ban female infanticide, is one of the first faiths, um, as was pointed out, where a woman was allowed to have her inheritance. A woman is supposed to be able to choose who she marries, and she's allowed to get a divorce even if she's sexually unsatisfied. That is actually a reason a woman can get a divorce. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, because of the political and economic environment, it's very easy for a lot of these countries to suppress their women. And it is, you know, it's also, though, heartwarming to see Muslim women actually fighting back. So in Saudi Arabia, as you can kind of tell, yes. mm -hmm. there was a, a driving ban, but many women openly drive. Many women are fighting for their right to vote, and many women are standing up and saying, this is un-Islamic, we need to do more, and we need to be better. So, you know, that I, I think that that really kind of sums it up in many ways, that unfortunately, you know, while we do hear this a lot within the media and perhaps within the movies, we can also see such an overwhelming I would say, movement amongst Muslim American women and Muslim women around the world to stand up for themselves and stand up for their rights. So, what I thought was actually yeah. kind of interesting was there was a, I believe they had the global uh, gender gap report about the education, mm -hmm. and three of the top five countries with the most educated women were Arabic countries, or Muslim Arabic countries. Yeah. Like Qatar, Bahrain, and Kuwait were like, I think, one, four, and five respectively. And then when you go to the top 15, you have like another four Arabic countries. So really over half of the most educated, you know, women in this world are coming from Arabic, primarily Muslim countries. And I feel like a lot of people just don't, they either choose to ignore that kind of fact or maybe they're just not reading it, but. Yeah, and I mean, look at some of the influential Muslim women today. I mean, Malala, for instance. Exactly. A Nobel oh Peace Prize winner. Amazing. We've already, um, there is an Iranian woman, um, you know, we have several Amazing. female Muslim, you know, Nobel Peace Prize winners. We have several of them leading movements, several of them heading up nonprofits. In fact, um, I believe that the ISNA presence, the Islamic Society of North America, mm -hmm. one of the first presidents was actually a Muslim woman. So that is a testament. We have Muslim um, women leaders all around the world. Um, in several South Asian countries, they're actually, you know, holding significant um, positions of power. Oh, and, okay, I thought both of you, uh, when we were asking Rizwan, I want to revisit the question that you had asked Rizwan, Sammy, or you had talked about, about um, because you don't go to prayer every week, people think you're not Muslim. Oh, yeah, how they just seem to kind of shoo us off or every time like yeah. no guys i'm a muslim and i'm just like you their first answer is usually to me well dude you're not really muslim and i was like how am i like how what did what did i do differently like I don't, is it because of how i look is it because of how i speak do you feel like i mean come on over if you want to talk but yeah. do you feel like you know you feel like you have the same issue do you feel like you have the same yeah, issues too? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there are some individuals who think I might not be Muslim enough or I'm too liberal or I'm like a Muslim feminist or something of that nature. And, yeah, do you, you get know, that? Yeah, of course, all, <laughs> a lot. Well, a how lot. do you combat it? I guess because that's what I've been trying to figure out. Me as a personal Muslim, I'm trying to combat that because I really want to be proud and really want people to understand that, hey, you can be Muslim and still wear a sparkly black jacket. You know, no one's going to judge you. So, oh, that's a good question. Sparkly black jacket. I mean, it kind of sparkles like a little bit. You like that? You like that? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's two-tiered, right? I think it's education. It's being able to, you know, inform individuals that, yes, indeed, I am Muslim. I actually do not wear a hijab. 
um, you know, I would say on a daily basis. Um, I do when I come to the mosque, but I don't in, in generality. But a lot of people know that I'm Muslim. You know, sometimes they ask me because of my last name or because, you know, I fast during Ramadan or, you know, when I go to, I would say, a happy hour, I don't drink. Um, you know, I only eat kosher meat. So aspects such as that, like, I would say, make me a Muslim. Okay. But I mean, who is to say, like, who is Muslim versus not except for God, right? So I, mean, right. I think at the end of the day, you know, if at the end of, you know, at the end of the day, if God is truly, you know, I would say the individual, um, I would say, you know, is the one who actually makes a decision about who's Muslim versus non-Muslim. Like, what, like, what, who are you to say, I guess, is, yeah. is my comment. No, I think that's it. Yeah, it's, it's a valid point. Like, I'm the only person that probably cares, so. <laughs> <laughs> what about, now, do you find a lot of other millennials, are a lot of people asking you right now in light of everything that's going on about your faith? Does it come up a lot? Does it bother you as someone who's Muslim when, I mean, do you have strangers asking you? Because, like, I'm so fascinated now. I just want to no, ask. No, absolutely people. not. I mean, I think the vast, vast, vast majority, actually, I would say almost every single American Muslim would be more than happy to talk about their faith. Um, I have seen several Facebook messages from my friends, Facebook status updates that talk about, you know, if you are an American, you know, if you have questions about Islam, come to me. I'll buy you coffee and we can have a conversation. Yeah, you were talking about yeah. that. Adams itself. I mean, there are so many opportunities actually this week itself where um, there's going to be a Muslim open house being held at Adams that's being sponsored by the Girl Scouts. Um, the University of Virginia recently had a Hug a Muslim Day. The, oh my uh, god, I love that's that. That's fantastic. That yeah, is no. Um, I mean, we can keep going. Like, there have been, for instance, um, Sorry, I'm gonna go. Um, there is multiple food drives in. Like last weekend, there is a group called Muslims Against Hunger, um, American Muslims who actually went out to DC and delivered food for the homeless. Um, there's actually something really extraordinary too, where um, the Muslims for Peace are actually hosting a holiday slash Christmas party for the Children's Home Society of New Jersey. So that's really cool. And again, it really reemphasizes the fact yeah. that not only are we part and parcel of this community, but we're also part and parcel of the inner faith. Um, organizations around the country. So, and we were talking about this too with Rizwan and, and when we started our tour that um, you guys were saying that people do take advantage in the community yes. of coming and checking out the Adams Center. Yeah. So do you ever have people leave still skeptical or still, you know, not trusting or not open or most people who come to the Adams Center walk away and are more I, I guess I pretty much yeah I pretty much wholeheartedly think that most people who come here come here because they are good intentioned individuals who want to learn more about Islam and they want to basically be able to understand you know why is it that we have this sort of I would say reputation around us and a yeah. way to mitigate that reputation is for them to come here and it's also our responsibility as Muslim Americans to go out there and whether it be on social media or whether it be grabbing coffee with a colleague or, you know, seeing a friend, you know, who's Catholic for lunch, that we're out there and we talk about not only like our day-to-day -day lives, but how it is being a Muslim American, what we've done, um, you know, as part of the Adams Center, or as part of, you know, our daily lives that are, I would say, centered around the core Islamic tenets of our faith. What are some of those core? Yeah, tenets so of your faith? the core tenets I think of our faith are we generally speaking have five pillars of Islam. Okay, one of them is prayer. So it's five daily prayers a day. 
Uh, the second one is fasting. So as many of you have probably seen in your offices or you know in, in schools, you'll see a lot of your, your Muslim friends and colleagues often fasting. A third one is charity. So what's really interesting um, about Islam and yeah. amazing is that every single Muslim is actually required to give about 10% of their income every year to charitable causes. That's amazing. Do most Muslims do that? I mean, because it's like tithing in the Catholic Church. I would say I majority of Muslims do that. Even I do that, Sarah. Really? Like every year I'll usually give. Yeah, I mean, Sammy. as much as I can. Maybe not 10%, but as much as I can afford at the time. And I'll give yeah. out as much as I can to either my neighborhood charities or something like that. Everyone does it. And it's, it's funny because I find myself doing it during Ramadan every year. Mm -hmm. But now I do it just instinctually. Like yeah. I don't, it's not, I'm not doing it because, oh, it's one of our rules. It's a pillar. No, I do it because you just, you want to see your community grow. You want to see right. your neighbors be just as successful as you are. And that's just something that you're taught in Islam from a very young age, you know? Yeah. That's and great. It's, I didn't realize the charity event, yeah, yeah. the charity and, aspect. Yeah, and these charitable causes don't have to be Muslim exclusive. I mean, you can see actually uh, recently, due to the tragedy of San Bernardino, there yes, is tell me, a... Tell us this. Yeah, there is an online Muslim American fundraiser that has been started, has raised over $175,000 as of today or as of 11 a.m. I'm sure the number will go up. Um, they have actually broken the initial goal about five or six times. They initially thought they were going to raise $50,000. The goal's been bumped up, obviously, several times. And the goal, I, the fundraiser is slated to end by December 30th. And I would not be surprised wow. if, you know, we we hit an extraordinary number. Um, I think Brother Rizwan had initially talked about um, Muslims also fundraising for money for churches. Actually, um, back in August, Muslim Americans raised, I think, approximately $100,000 for local black churches that had been burned yes, down. Yes, I, I know. I, that is just an aspect, I guess, really a takeaway of today. My mind is blown about how much you really do mm -hmm. for everybody in the community, other faiths. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, even Adam sponsoring like so many clinics here. We have so many open houses. As um, was mentioned, we have interfaith dinners. I mean, these clinics are open to everyone. These blood drives are open to everyone. Mm. You know, these food drives that we do um, are open to everyone. As I think we spoke about before, um, one of the individuals on staff at Adams had talked about how, you know, individuals can come to the mosque um, who are in desperate need of funds or, you know, um, are, are hungry and get basically financial support. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to be a Muslim to get these services. And you shouldn't. I mean, our faith teaches sure, us right. That's that, a... you know, in essence, we're supposed to promote justice wherever we are. We are supposed to treat our neighbors, whoever they are, Muslim or non-Muslim, with the same regard as we treat ourselves. So in light of everything that's happening, are you more fearful um, for yourself, for Muslim Americans now than, let's say, two or three years ago? Or do you feel like the work you guys are doing and that people are more compassionate, open for the most part. I think in the environment we're in right now, it's hard to not be fearful. It's mm. hard to not think that, you know, you could be perceived differently yeah. or perceived as a person who's not truly American. And that's heartbreaking for me. But what I am heartened by is the tremendous amount of support and regard that we have gotten um, from, I would say, the broader, you know, American community. Um, I had a friend who I had from grad school, and he literally wrote a Facebook post saying, I did not fight for this country overseas in Afghanistan for Muslims to be ID'd. 
I saw an African-American man post, I did not fight for civil rights for this to happen to our Muslim American mm. friends. And I think, again, you know, it will be a testament, I think, for us, you know, in the upcoming days. Obviously, this is a very difficult time. But, yeah. you know, as was said, you know, with every difficulty comes ease. And, you know, I'm hoping and I'm very hopeful that, you know, we as Muslim Americans will continue to contribute to the broader society and that we'll be able to stand up for groups that are next marginalized. It might not be us, you know, forever and ever. It might be another group. And I want to make sure that we have done all that we can to make sure that any minority group cannot be discriminated against in the future. So. Okay, tell me this. I don't understand this about the Muslim faith. Why don't you drink or, I mean, can you smoke? Can you have sex? Like, or is all that, can you ever drink? This is like, these are the questions I have, right? So, um, or just no one drank. (laughs) So in, I, I think Islamically, you're not supposed to drink. Obviously, you know, there are people who do and, you know, there are people who don't. I don't personally. Um, in terms of smoking, I don't. Um, I do believe it is an Islamic duty to kind of take care of your health to be, okay. I would say. <laughs> I get some be- nods around the room. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes, and besides, smoking is bad for you, so right. don't do it. Right. The smoking one I can see. I'm just like, gosh, I don't know what my life would like would be like without a drink. <laughs> Which that's like another problem. But you know but... what's really interesting is sometimes like I'll go to a happy hour and yeah. I'll have like a Shirley Temple and people will come over to me and ask me like what I'm drinking and order it themselves. So it's kind of it's interesting. It's fun, right? <laughs> yes. No, it is. But so that's something that people pick and choose, right? Mm-hmm. So it is kind of to be the reason that you abstain from that is just part of taking care of your health is important in muscle. Like, is there a specific reason why you abstain from drinking, smoking? Um, so I personally do it not only because I'm Muslim, but also because like, I don't think I would make a very good drinker. I don't, I just, I wouldn't, I don't, I I just, I don't know. Like I've, I'll admit I've accidentally had it and I don't think it tastes very good to be honest with you. Yeah. I heard it tastes terrible. So, you know, I've like, I've never smoked. I, I don't really see a need for it. In fact, you know, if we're, we're going to speak statistically, obviously it causes things like lung cancer and so. This is slightly off kilter, but yes. No, no, I think, I just didn't understand. Again, I think it's a lot of misconceptions, but you have the idea that, wow, you know, Muslims really abstain from all these things, like for the most part, you know, so I think it's just. But then I believe, technically speaking, though, aren't Christians supposed to be abstaining from any sort of intoxicants? Or like, they're definitely, and they're supposed to be covering their head as well. And so it just kind of seems that, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like that different standard. You know, yeah. like they go, oh, well, you're Muslim, so you can't drink. You can't. Well, technically, no, but also technically for you, it's also a no. Right. We were talking about yeah. in whatever Christianity, Catholicism, you know, you're not supposed to be having sex before marriage. But, you know, then everybody is, it seems like. So it's just that's yeah a big generalization. But so, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like we don't promote like any sort of intoxicant because, you know, it's promoting awareness about mm. taking care of your health. And, you know, unfortunately, people will take smoking and drinking to extremes. Right. Yeah. So you absolutely. Know, for, yeah, no, so. that's, hey, that's absolutely amazing that you have that abstinence and willpower. I'm really... <laughs> so tell me this. Have you received any discrimination? Or, you know, anybody, um, 
Because you said that you you put things out on Facebook and I, we've tweeted back and forth. So are you, have you heard, got any backlash from that? Anybody said anything to you? A little bit, yes. You know, um, I've gotten, you don't belong in this country. You. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Was this recent or is this like... Yeah, this is recent. Yeah. I know, um, so I feel like everything that's happening, I don't know. I've, I've had, I would say, friends on Facebook post things that I would say aren't exactly, I would say, uh, quite, I don't know. Yeah, right? Quite Isn't very interesting? Uh, don't, yeah, don't provide... Oh, but hold on. Perhaps. Be honest. How how good does it feel to see one of your friends write something stupid on Facebook and you do that old delete button? <laughs> He's unfriend them immediately. It makes me feel so good when I find yeah, people like, people I thought we were friends yet. and you say some stupid stuff and I just unfriend. You know, I actually don't believe in that policy because at the end of the day, we need to engage individuals regardless of, you know, how they think and, you know, regardless of their perception. Because I do believe at the end of the day, people can change and people can learn um, through education. Point. So I, I try and I don't unfriend anybody. You're mean. You're such a good Muslim. My God. <laughs> you don't unfriend. No, I, it's true. I see people use the N-word on Twitter and it's like... I'm no, so unfriend. I said just like, but it's interesting because. But you need to stand for it, right? If you see something, you should say something. I mean, I think oh, this I love is. That. That's yeah. Really good. I mean, you know, this is like. So if somebody tweets you or Facebooks something hateful towards Muslims, will you respond? I generally do. Really? You know, um, I actually there was one individual who I had gone to school with, and he kept posting things that were perceived, you know, that kind of. I would say exhibited slightly. Oh, I can just imagine <laughs> atrocious behavior, whatnot. Um, or basically said that Muslim Americans don't belong in this country. You know, they're terrorists. Every single one of them. And I actually sent him a personal note, being like, "I've noticed you've posted this a lot. You know, can we can we talk on the phone? Can we grab coffee? I want to be able to kind of, you know." I would say mitigate your fears and your concerns. Of course, he didn't reply, but I felt good doing it. That's great. Good for you. Okay, now mm -hmm. I'm inspired. Now when people are yeah, like, and the I'm not the I'm only gonna... one. Yeah, and I'm not the only one who does this. Like so many of my Muslim American friends do. I mean, this is not this is not just one person. This is hundreds of Muslim Americans who are out there. Um, you know, we actually I think there's an upcoming event actually in the DC area called Meet and Greet with Your Muslim Neighbors. Because Muslims oh, want cool. to be able to do this, right? I think it's being held December seventeenth, um, in the Ashburn Library. But meet yeah, meet and greet with your Muslim neighbor. Yeah, I okay. mean, you can see like not just the Adams Center, but um, you know, groups all across. I would say the country are doing these significant, significant like reach out events. I think, of course, Adams Center is clearly a leader in the community, being the second biggest mosque in the U.S. But again, you know, they're not. You know, Muslim Americans by far are interested in reach out. I'm so amazed. Just all the civic things that you guys do, that's really just completely opened my eyes. Okay, to lastly, do you have any more questions for Charmaine, Sammy? Dude, I've just been, uh, honestly, I'm just honored <laughs> to be here. This was awesome for me. So, it's so, so I, I want to end with this. What would you say, because I think it's easy for people to jump on the fear bandwagon mm -hmm. uh, right now, um, what would you say to young people who, especially young people, a lot of millennials listen to this show, but people of all ages, before you say something hateful or tweet something hateful or put something out on Facebook, what would you say to people who are fearful, fearful currently of Muslims? I would ask them how they reached out to a Muslim lately. Because at the end of the day, so many Muslim Americans are willing to reach out, willing to have those conversations. So I think that would be, I think, one key thing. 
I think another is to educate yourself, right? You know, mm. sometimes you need to listen or you need to read different sources of information. And it's hard, it's difficult, right? Like you can understand why people might be scared or why people might be fearful. But at the end of the day, I mean, we are part and parcel of this community and we will continue to be so. And I hope that, you know, these individuals will visit you know, a mosque like Adams, I love, yeah, or will, you know, um, participate in some of the charitable events that we're hosting or some of the interfaith events and just choose to learn a little bit more about Islam. Oh my gosh, Charmaine, thank you so much. I adore you. Oh, You're like amazing. Yeah. Please, we're going to do Hug a Muslim on the podcast. We'll <laughs> do course. like a whole day. Thank, thank you, you so much. By the way, it's adamcenter.org. That's the website. You all have tons of events coming up, tons of interfaith. You're always, whether it's a blood drive, you're always opening your arms and, and doing great things. So definitely check out their website, Adams, A-D-A-M-S, center.org. Imam Majid is up next. We're going to talk to him and get more perspective. It's actually way better than when I tried to try to say Salaam Alaikum yesterday. <laughs> so at least we're getting there, Sarah. We're getting there. I know, we're getting there. Sully Matril, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> definitely. Oh my lord. Am I saying it correctly? Yes. So nice to have you and let us be here at the Adams Center. It's our pleasure. And to talk to you. So much is happening in the Muslim American community and with Muslims around the world, everything that's going on. So I have to tell you, I'm very grateful. I I probably represent a, a population of Americans who are very just not informed at all about Muslim life. So tell me what you're feeling, what the climate is like right now in light of everything that's happening, um, in light of, of course, Donald Trump's comments about banning Muslims. So we really are here today to kind of better understand and walk a little bit in your shoes. So tell me a little bit about um, what's going on here at the Adams Center and how you feel about everything that's happening. Um, thank you so much. Um, I would like to say that American Muslims they would like the American public to know who they are. They would like them to come and see them. They would like them to come to the mosque and to get to know their neighbor. Mm -hmm. They would like them to know that Muslim Americans have served this country. Some of them lost their life defending the United States. Some of them wear the uniform at this moment. Are, they are in the first line. That the policemen, those women, they are firefighters, they are members of Congress. American Muslims care about the United States. American Muslims are serving this country in every aspect of it you can think of. They're teachers. We have free clinic in every major city, almost. Yes, I'm learning that. Yes. yes. Adam Center have a free clinic. Open to anyone. 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 We don't ask someone what your religious background is, what your ethnic ethnicity or ethnic background. And uh, we do this matter of principle. We do believe in uh, service. Mm. Uh, we believe that in order to be a true Muslim, you have to love humanity. You have mm. to love for people what you love for yourself. You have to really to be the best representative of the beautiful message of Islam, which is the message of compassion. Yes, I love that. Therefore, the, uh, one of the things that I uh, say always to reporters, why there's no enough stories about the scouting programs in American Muslim mosques. Hmm. Uh, Adamson have one of the largest scouting programs in the area. And when you say scouting, you're looking for new members. 
No, Scout is like Girl Scouts and Girl Boy Scouts. 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 Yeah. Okay, okay, th- okay. Scouts. Thanks. So, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts here. Exactly at Adam Center. Gotcha. Having an American flag on their shoulder, wearing the uniform, standing in the prayer line of Adam Center. Yes. That's what we teach. So, I think Americans are wondering are the values of Muslim Americans the same values? As Americans, are we? Are, is there a conflict between what Muslims believe and America? This is really sound familiar, because same question was given to the Catholic before. They said Catholic mistreating the women. They, yes. they doubt, people doubted uh, President Kennedy whether he have loyalty to the United States or to the Pope. The same rhetoric, and the Catholic proved themselves, and American Muslims proved themselves. All of this kind of misunderstanding, misconceptions, is spreading fear. Yes. It is un-American, but America always overcome all of this kind of misunderstanding, misconceptions. And that's why always they say we shall overcome. So fear is good, or really is what's happening, right? We're in that, back in that cycle of a lot of Americans are very fearful right now. So how do you combat that fear? What are you doing here at the Adams Center to really change that? You know, we are blessed in this community. We have so many friends from the Jewish community, from the Christian community, from the Sikh community, from Hindu community that they support us. They know who we are. Because Adam Center leadership made it very clear that our policy is an open community. Mosque without walls, mm. inviting everyone to come in. Right. Um, when you uh, come to our interfaith activities, when we have this peace garden every year, and you see the community honoring law enforcement, you will see that our community really does this to celebrate mm-hmm. the members of their community, the larger community. That's why I have the elected officials. They come to Adam Center. Every time one of them running for office, they come to this community. They really show this community to other communities as how can a person of faith present American values. Mm. I, I talked to some of those elected officials, says even when we go and talk to other communities, say we bring Adams, Adams Center. Therefore, and we've been asked around the world to speak about our experience here at, at Adams Center. Well, that's, and I, I'm, we're very grateful for your time, and I know you have to go. Mm. I would ask you this last question. So here in a suburb of Washington, D.C., you are so diverse. You're out in the community. You're very involved in interfaith. But what do you say to Americans who live in rural parts of this country who only their only exposure to Muslim Americans is seeing ISIS pictures, is just seeing something, an image, whether it's a woman wearing a hijab, it's something so foreign to them. What do you say to people in this country that don't have an Adams Center near them? I would like to tell them that as Muslim Americans, we condemn terrorism, mm. violence, extremism, in all kind of form of shape. We believe those who use Islam to justify violence extremism or terrorism, are, those people are cult. They, are, they represent a cult. They don't represent Islam. Mm. Because our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, 
that a person cannot be a true a person of faith if he does not love his neighbor or her neighbor. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that the true Muslim is the one who loves for others, would love for himself or herself. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, who I don't have said, Mm. that if you will abuse or mistreat a person of another faith, I will stand against you before God. That's what he says. Right. That's why Muslims here in the United States, and specifically Adam Center, we have taken initiative to protect Christians mm. in majority Muslim countries. I would like them to know that. We have helped to rebuild two churches was burned down in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. We have fundraised for protecting Christian minorities in majority Muslim countries. They have to know that I started an initiative with other friends and uh, colleagues on protecting religious minorities by uh, having a declaration and a document by Muslim scholars. And the final document will be signed this January mm-hmm. in Morocco. Already we send it to the scholars. In the 25th of January, we would have gathered Muslims, scholars, 250 of them, and we invited Jewish members and Christians leaders to witness the signing. And they said, okay. To it. Therefore, I would like to tell them we are there to protect other minorities. We, as American Muslims, we believe that the freedom that we enjoy United States, we will like, we would like to see the minorities in majority Muslim countries enjoy the same freedom. And that therefore, I want to tell them that um, we are the first uh, line of defense against violent extremism. Oh, I love that. That's and I would I like them, especially, I would like to talk to my Christian friends. Yes, okay. I would like to, to yep. tell my Christian friends, I know many people are very devoted Christians. Mm-hmm. As, as, as a man of faith, I believe the teaching of Jesus said, love thy neighbor. Yes. I would like you to love your neighbor and to get to know your neighbor. Because the teaching of Muhammad, the teaching of Jesus, are the same teaching of loving thy neighbor, spreading compassion and love. And, uh, you know, the, one of the uh, interesting things that a pastor told me, he said, imagine if Jesus is here today. Mm. What kind of a statement would have made about Muslims? If Jesus is here today, what he was said about Muslims, or Jesus or anyone else, Jesus, if Jesus taught people that even love their uh, enemy, how about your neighbor, Muslim neighbor? Yeah, of course, you'd love therefore, them and have great compassion. Yeah, yeah, therefore, that's what we need. I would tell them that let's, let us all of us live our, our faith. Let us fight the fight together. Oh, don't, allow, don't allow the violent extremist group divide us. We're in it together. They want to divide us to make this a, a clash of civilization. We're one civilization, human civilization. I love this. This is one, We're one humanity. Terrific. Together. Yes. I love it. So if you're some rural person living out there and you're thinking, hey, come to the Adams Hold hands. Hold hands. And yes. Fizzle. All yeah. together. All together. I love it. <laughs> yes. Imam, thank you so much. Thank you. It's my really pleasure. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Praise the Lord. Thanks. Thanks. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you.